Harris? Absent. Commissioner Gibson? Present. Commissioner Rowe? Present. Mayor Gonzalez? Mayor Hopped? Here. Moore? Commissioner Erasmus? Present. Commissioner Banks? Present. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Present. Thank you. We have quorum. Members of the public in chambers, that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips, and we'll now proceed to today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. The original people of this land the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Tatuan-Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. We acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these to gather to together today in the active practice of acknowledging for Sacramento's indigenous people. Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> so getting used to the new room. And just a reminder for all the commissioners, when you speak, you do have to automatically push that, that button. So hear you all right our first business today is the commission staff report staff you may proceed thank you chair good evening commission jennifer donlin wyatt transportation planning manager happy to give you my oral staff report i have a relatively short list of things to go over today the first is um, i wanted to give an update on the marysville boulevard safe streets and roads for all grant program if you have not signed up for our newsletter you might not have heard that we were unsuccessful in that grant application you're incredibly disappointed. It is an incredible project in an area that is in of need uh, for these safety improvements, one of our Vision Zero top five corridors. We had a debrief with the, the federal government and ultimately it was highly recommended for funding, but there just wasn't enough funding for us to secure. We are going to be strategizing on ways to move that forward because it still is an important project. Um, so as that moves forward, we'll let you know. Also wanted to let you know that this week we submitted our Caltrans, <coughs> excuse me, transportation planning grants. We submitted four. We came to you in November with that list of projects and actually they're due today, but we submitted them early because we're I'm really proud of our team for getting them in early. So fingers crossed for us on those four projects. And then last but not least, your 2023 annual report is uh, tentatively scheduled to go to PMPE of City Council on February 13th. It'll be an afternoon meeting. Um, if anything changes, we'll let you know. We'll also make sure that we uh, email out the commission once it is published so that you can see the agenda and know that's up there. And with that, that is my staff report. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much and appreciate the update. <clears throat> On the safe, oh, did you? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no worries. Perhaps um, it's to welcome our new commissioners. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> Putting me in a new room makes it really hard for me to function. 
I'd like to welcome, we have two new commissioners that were uh, appointed by City Council, I believe, this week? I think it was on Tuesday. Um, so we'd like, and I think we can give you a minute or two to introduce yourselves to our, our audience and the commission. Um, so we'll just go in order around the curve. So uh, Commissioner Moore, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, everybody. My name is David. Um, I have been a Sacramento resident for most of the last 10 years. Um, big cyclist personally, and uh, I work for Civic Thread, so somewhat in a professional advocacy sense. Um, I have two little ones that I bike with and try to get them out and about as much as possible. I have a master's in land use and transportation planning um, with a certificate in land use and transportation uh, education background. Um, thank you. Happy to be here. Commissioner Rasmus, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, please. Um, hello. <laughs> Good evening. Nice to convene with you all today. Um, my name is Sequoia, and I am excited to be back in um, a commissioner role after taking a beat uh, and being very involved in my formerly home community of Richmond, California, and being part of the active transportation world there and coming to the area to go to graduate school and become a resident of Sacramento about five years ago. Um, it's exciting to be back, kind of able to take on some leadership. Um, I currently serve, um, I guess I'm in the professional seat, so I cr currently serve as the Associate Deputy Director of Equity and Engagement, and I think when I filled out the application online, that like got tagged on my name, so you guys kept saying Associate Deputy Director, and I was laughing a lot, because that's not really how I ask, I'm not like Esquire or anything, just Sequoia, it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I work for the California Transportation Commission, and um, I serve on the planning team, and focus on equity and engagement for the commission. It's a new role, I've been there about um, two and a half years, and uh, we're very focused on elevating equity in our programs, policies, um, funding especially. So I'm really excited to kind of bring that work, the equity perspective, um, the passion for biking and walking and um, wanting to do it more and wanting to feel more safe in Sacramento to do it um, and kind of em envelope those all together and, and work with you all in this space. So thank you very much for the appointment. Thank you, Chair. That's my staff report. <laughs> Wonderful staff report. And worked with you outside of the commission, so really, really excited to um, be alongside you here as well. Um, and yeah, thank you, Jennifer, uh, for letting us know about the um, outcomes of the grant. While we are disappointed, I'm really pleased to hear that you're still pursuing other options. So I'm to support you on that, on that work. I did have... Um, just a few things I wanted to ask um, of you really quickly. I've um, noticed that the shared rideable, specifically the bikes, um, have recently been removed in Sacramento, and I was hoping that maybe you could speak. Happy to, Chair. Um, so for many of you um, might not be fully aware of how what we call shared rideables work in the city of Sacramento. Shared rideables are things that are shared that you ride, uh, the scooters and the bikes. Um, not everybody knows that. Um, so in the city of Sacramento, we don't manage the program. Uh, we issue permits to companies that operate in the city. Currently, there are two operators in Sacramento, Lime and Bird. Um, we issue permits for devices, so you could have bikes or scooters, um, but we don't say give, you, you have to have so many bikes or so many scooters. Because we, the perspective of the city of Sacramento is that we're issuing a business permit, 
and we don't tell companies how to run their businesses. The Regional Bike Share Program is a program that was managed by SACOG, the Sacramento Area Council of Governments, and they had a five-year contract with originally Social Bicycles that then became Jump, that then was somehow merged to Lime. Um, and the, um, the contract with SACOG had ended on December 31st, 2023. And so that contract was a, included a requirement to have bicycles because that contract had ended. The company is no longer required to provide bicycles. But they still have a permit with the city of Sacramento and they actually just renewed their permit before a fleet of scooters and not bicycles. Burr does have permit for up to 50 bicycles. Uh, I, we're not sure if they have those bikes on the street or not. Um, Cassandra is shaking her head no, so it looks like we do not have uh, the 50 on the street, um, though they could if they so choose to. Really appreciate that. It was They were there and then they were gone, and I didn't feel like there was really much communication by um, the companies themselves, but also, you know, um, SACOG, who was up helpful um, to, to, you know, know the lay of the land. Thank you for that. Um, next is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips for the consent calendar. Okay. You, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Approval of the consent agenda. Second. Motion by Commissioner Hoff and a second by Commissioner Hodel. Uh, clerk, can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Harris is absent. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commissioner Erasmus? Aye. Commissioner Banks? Aye. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. We'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Um, item number three. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, item number three selection of chair and vice chair for calendar year 2024. Who's going to facilitate this? Chair, uh, my name is Jacob Redberg with the Office of the City Clerk. Um, there be no staff presentation on this item. However, I do want to remind members uh, that's also in included in the staff report. Um, members may nominate um, another member uh, or themselves for the position of chair and vice chair. Um, typically, nominations will be heard for the chair position followed by the vice chair position. A member may serve as a chairperson or vice chairperson for no more than two calendar years. Uh, so of the current roster of members, um, our current chair, Chair Dewar Westbrook, uh, is not eligible to serve um, as chair um, going forward. However, she is eligible for vice chair, as it does not appear in history that um, she has served in that capacity. Um, Additionally, uh, the newly elected chairperson or, and vice chairperson will start their terms at the next regular meeting. Um, that, I'll turn it over to the commission for nominations, and I'm here for any questions. Uh, 
Chair. Um, before we get started, I just want to thank uh, Chair you on the commission as of this last and very smooth and effective, with the exception of the one we went past 9 o'clock, but that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> but in any case, um, <clears throat> you, you do obviously leave a huge shoes to fill. I always appreciated your thoughtful comments, quite frankly, um, the amount of emotion and passion you put into each issue. Um, but with that, I would like to say that I, I've had myself um, a, a actually terrific time getting to know all the commissioners and staff and working in this regard. And I'm not a person who shies away from running for chair. So um, actually, I would like to nominate myself uh, to serve in the position um, after discussion. Thanks. I would also like to nominate someone. I'm going to nominate Arlette Hodel for the job. I think she'd be spectacular at it. Her years of service and teaching people how to ride bikes, she knows all there is to know about cycling, especially in North Natomas, and I think that she'd be an incredible asset in this job. Thoughtful, organized, very mindful about uh, what we're up to, and I think she'd do a great job. Pardon my interruption. We do actually have a member of the public who wishes to comment on this item. Um, we have one speaker slip for this item, uh, Anya McCann. You could please press the uh, press right there push. on there. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize it was off. It was already on, and I asked you to <laughs> press the button. My apologies. Should I start from the beginning? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, yes. It's... Yes. I'm Anya McCann. I'm the bike program manager at North Natomas Jibe. I work with Arlette. Uh, as a bicycle instructor, I've been working with her for a year, and she's been working with our organization for many years. Uh, teaching our programs as a ride leader, and um, she's helped me develop curriculum and programs um, over the last year. Uh, she's brought many excellent ideas to JIBE related to active transportation advocacy, which we've taken action on, uh, including like a, a, a ride around the entire area to assess a different um, uh, different uh, infrastructure and uh, and share it with the public. She works together with people of a variety of ages and backgrounds, is a clear communicator. Uh, I've watched her run meetings and trainings. Uh, she's very organized, articulate, great listener, and very thoughtful about inclusion. Um, she keeps things moving forward, and she's one of the most passionate people that I know about cycling and active transportation. She would be terrific as a chair for the commission. We also have a comment from our executive director, which was um, emailed to all of you. Thank you for your comments, and very much appreciate your patience. Uh, Chair, I have no more speaker slips on this item.
<laughs> Going out with a bang. Okay. <laughs> um, I, what I said was apologies um, to the public for, for not calling upon you first before um, having the commissioner speak. Um, okay, so we have uh, two motions. Are there any um, uh, any seconds from? Do we need, do we need that? we hear a little bit more from the nominees possibly before taking a vote yeah I, I'm open um so maybe if you each want to can we put a timer on maybe that's <laughs> you each have like a minute or something if that's is that okay with you all okay just so we keep it fair um yeah so um we'll pass it over to uh, Isaac and then uh, or sorry Commissioner Gonzalez and then Commissioner Hozel, and, and then we will vote. Thank you, Commissioner. Great idea. Um, so I'm a lifelong resident of the city of Sacramento. I grew up in Meadowview uh, and started riding a bike as a child. Meadowview is a community that's been underserved for a very long time. It was obviously designed with legacy arterials and vehicular traffic in mind, and I rode my bicycle nearly every day on Florin Road, Freeport Road, Meadowview Road, much to my own peril, but luckily survived. Um, in, in the many years since, um, and moving to Tahoe Park about 15 years ago, I've been extremely active in my neighborhood association and many different community fronts, um, mainly focused on equity, outreach, and inclusion, uh, but more particularly in transportation over the past uh, few years. Uh, as the president of Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association, I was able to lobby effectively to the Planning Commission and later to City Council to get a hawk signal installed on Folsom Boulevard uh, during the building of a new student housing project so that we could actually have that prior to an unfortunate call, an injury or death, as is too often the case in the city of Sacramento. On the city, on the road of Free, uh, Folsom Boulevard recently, I was able to lobby for $10 million in improvements from the state of California, unfortunately, after we lost um, a parent uh, to a deadly collision in front of a school. Um, I've been working very hard to create a new grassroots organization in the city of Sacramento called Slow Down Sacramento which lost, launched last August and quickly got the attention of the Office of Traffic Safety and funding for uh, an extensive outreach and engagement campaign, which I've been involved in now since the beginning of the year. I made it my personal mission to go out to as many neighborhood associations as possible to tout um, the neighborhood. Oh, sorry, I didn't even see that. I'll, I'll wrap it up. I, I've been going to neighborhood associations almost weekly to talk about the Active Transportation Commission and to entice people to begin to come to this uh, meeting. We had very low uh, participation before, but I believe I've been able to increase that. So as chair, I would hope to continue to do that to facilitate a great conversation and to serve uh, as best as possible. Apologies. I did not see the clock there at all. It's okay. Please give you uh, two minutes, uh, Commissioner Hodel. Sure. Um, after retiring from 31 years as a Cade educator, I began a bicycle touring adventure that led me across the United States several times, north, south, east, west. Uh, but in 2014, I became a lead cycling instructor and the world of bicycling opened up to me. And it made me a better, safer cyclist. Since then, I've been teaching safe cycling classes um, uh, and working in various programs and activities for all ages from two-year-olds uh, at Ready to Ride to 90-year-olds in adult Learn to Ride classes. Uh, my role continues to expand 
As of yesterday, I am a community engagement manager for the 2024 May's Bike Month in our six county region. My goal, my primary goal, if I'm elected chairperson, would be to listen carefully, uh, respect all of your views and all of your individual talents, and to build a consensus when needed, maybe especially around the annual report time. So thank you for your vote tonight, and I look to serve you well. Commissioner Hodel. I urge Commissioner Gonzalez to seek vice chair. I think we have a uh, riches tonight. We have dubs. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Winlander. I think we'll go that route. We'll take the, uh, if there's a second on the substitute motion, we'll take the substitute motion first. Um, sounds like now there's a second on the, the There's no second on the substitute motion, then we'll just hear the primary. There was, there was. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> so happy you're here, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so we'll take. So then I'll, I'll say I have a second by Commissioner Banks and a second by Commissioner Hahn. Uh, will the clerk please call? <coughs> Chair, Commissioner Hodel. Aye. Commissioner Harris is absent. Commissioner Gibson. No. Commissioner Rowe. Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez. Abstain. Commissioner Hopped. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. Commissioner Erasmus. Commissioner Banks. Aye. Chair Dewar Westbrook. Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you have your hand, Commissioner. Move the nomination of Commissioner Wallace as Vice Chair. Well, will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Chair, Commissioner Hodel. Aye. Commissioner Harris is absent. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commissioner Erasmus? Aye. Commissioner Banks? Aye. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. We uh, thank you. The motion passes. Congratulations to you both. <laughs>
all these agendas. <laughs> I won't miss that. Okay. <laughs> um, the next item is item number four, draft work zone and event detour policy. Uh, is there a staff presentation? I'll be providing an overview of the draft work zone and event detour. So for tonight's agenda, we'll first start off by talking about what is the work zone and event detour policy. Go ahead and review our proposed accommodation walking and people who are bicycling through work zones and special events. Then we'll open it up for any questions commissioners may have. So to start off, we'll discuss what is a work, what is a work zone and what is a special event. So a work zone is an area of a traffic way that is experiencing construction, maintenance, or utility work. And typically folks will know that they're in a work zone because it is marked by signs, channeling devices, or pavement markings. As a special event is an activity that's taking place on public right-of-way, so a sidewalk, a street, or an alley, and it's an organized assembly of 50 or more people. So when this policy is approved, it'll specify when and where facilities for people walking and biking may be relocated, detoured, modified, or closed. And this guidance will apply to all sidewalks and streets in which it is legal for people to walk and bike on. And this upcoming policy will apply to the construction sponsor that is performing construction work or the group that is hosting a special event. Overall, the goal of this effort is to prevent detours as much as possible and maintain mobility, accessibility, and connectivity for people who are walking and biking. So, sorry, my slides. Um, also, this effort aligns with city goals around accessibility, safety, equity, and climate. And the outcomes of this policy will maintain more direct, convenient, and comfortable paths of travel for people who are traveling through work zones and special events. It's also important to note what we mean by people walking and biking, as this policy is designed to center those with disabilities. So by people walking, we mean walking using wheelchairs and walkers and other assistive devices that can be used on the sidewalk. By people bicycling, we mean people using traditional bicycles, electric bicycles, and adaptive bicycles. In addition to improving mobility and connectivity, this policy will also support our climate and sustainability goals. In Sacramento, transportation is the largest sector that contributes greenhouse gas emissions. And our draft climate action adaptation plan includes a goal to make non-drive alone methods make up the majority of trips by 2045. So this policy will aim to maintain accessibility and connectivity in order to support those who use active transportation and transit. So before we review our proposed accommodations, we'll go ahead and review what's the difference between a diversion and a detour. So a diversion can be applied to both people walking and biking. 
And a pedestrian diversion means an ADA-compliant passage for pedestrians on a pathway that is adjacent to the work zone. So this can include open walkways, covered walkways, and scaffolding. And a bicyclist diversion means a pathway in the right-of-area adjacent to the work area. Detour can also be applied to both people walking and biking. And a detour means a sidewalk or a bikeway closure that is adjacent to the work area that has clear signage, warnings, and ADA-compliant barricades directing pedestrians and bicyclists to an alternative route. So now we'll go ahead and review our proposed accommodations for people walking. And again, this includes people who use assisted devices such as wheelchairs, walkers, and more. So providing accommodations for people who are walking is important because according to the California Manual on Uniform Control Devices, people who are walking are reluctant to retrace their steps to make a crossing or to add total distance to their travel time. So our first proposed accommodation is a sidewalk diversion. And a sidewalk diversion is a temporary and protected walking route that's adjacent to the sidewalk, but it may be placed in a parking lane, a travel lane, or a bikeway. And in the draft policy, a sidewalk diversion must include a barrier that separates people walking from traffic and maintains six feet of clear width for walking access. In the draft policy, a sidewalk diversion is required for long-term stationary work or a special event that's taking place for five or more days. Additionally, a sidewalk diversion is preferred for intermediate-term stationary work, short-term stationary daytime work, and short-duration work. Our next accommodation is a covered walkway. And a covered walkway is considered a sidewalk diversion. And the draft policy requires the use of covered walkways when there's overhead danger present for long-term stationary work and in locations with high pedestrian volumes. Lastly, another accommodation for people walking is a sidewalk detour which is directing people to an alternative route due to a work zone or a special event. And in the draft policy, sidewalks should only be used as a last resort and should last no more than five days. If a detour is being used, the draft policy requires that sidewalk detours comply with accessibility conditions and appropriately alert and direct people to the detour. Draft policy includes example sheets for groups developing a temporary traffic control plan to reference. These sheets are included in the draft policy to illustrate the appropriate signage and placement to appropriately alert people traveling through a work zone or a special event. And these are two sheets in our draft policy from the California MUTCD, illustrating a sidewalk detour and diversion and a crosswalk closure and a pedestrian detour. So next we'll go ahead and review our proposed accommodations for people bicycling. And it's important to note that we're thinking including the traditional bicycle as well as cargo bikes, e-trikes, or adaptive bicycles. So our first proposed accommodation for people bicycling is the bikeway diversion. And a bikeway diversion includes shifting the bikeway by closing a parking lane or a travel lane to accommodate the bikeway on the same roadway as you can see in this example. In the draft policy, a bikeway diversion is required for long-term stationary work, intermediate stationary work, and short-term stationary work. It's important to note that a bikeway diversion may require a certain bikeway according to the speed and average daily traffic volumes of a street where the diversion is taking place. Draft policy also includes example sheets for a bikeway diversion for temporary traffic control plans to reference. And these are two example sheets that are in our policy. And they're showing closing a parking lane to accommodate a separated bikeway and a bike lane on one-way streets. We also have sheets for a bikeway diversion by closing a parking lane or a travel lane to accommodate a bikeway. And similar to these last examples, these sheets are demonstrating appropriate signage placement for a bikeway diversion so people are alert alerted appropriately about the oncoming diversion. 
Another accommodation the draft policy is sharing the general purpose travel lane. This is allowed in the policy for mobile work that's moving intermittently or continuously. Similar to the bikeway diversion, this is dependent on speed and average daily traffic of a street. It's important to note that this accommodation is not a preferred alternative in the draft policy. It should really only be used if there's not sufficient space to shift or divert the existing bikeway. For sharing the general purpose travel lane, our draft policy also includes example sheets of a bike lane closure where bicyclists merge into the general purpose travel lane for speeds of 35 miles per hour or more, or 30 miles per hour or less. The last proposed accommodation for people bicycling is the bikeway detour. And in the draft policy, bikeway detour should only be used as a last resort. Bikeway detour should only be used when there's not enough space for a bikeway diversion or sharing the general purpose lane is impossible. And when used, the detour should parallel the existing facility and the distance of the detour should be minimized as much as possible. In the draft policy, there are other several important highlights I would like to bring up. So first is that accommodated bikeways should be five feet minimum in width, but preferred six feet in width. Additionally, any signage, channeling devices, or barriers should be kept clear of the bikeways or other paths of travel. Additionally, advanced notification must be provided with sufficient length when bikeways are closed to properly alert people, people, people biking of the closure. Also, traffic control plans that include bike lane closures must have a posted speed limit of 25 miles per hour or less. And all bicycling-related signage must be permanent in the TCP. The very last accommodation for people walking and bicycling is using spotters for intermittent closures. So intermittent closures that are resulting in a bikeway or a sidewalk being closed intermittently may use spotters at each end of the facility. And in this case, establishing an alternative route that is impacted by short-term work or special events may not be necessary if people walking or biking can navigate safely. When a work zone or a special event is taking a place, the sponsor must submit and receive approval of their TCP before the work zone or special event may begin. Also, TCPs must follow the most recent edition of the California MUTCD. And lastly, to ensure that our residents are aware of closures, the sponsor must let city staff know of closures so city staff can inform folks through our listservs of detours, diversions, or closures. I'd like to leave you all with some other important considerations. And first, that this draft policy will likely cause an increase of cost to development and special events. Second, to ensure projects are aware of expectations for work zones, development projects will be alerted as soon as possible in the process to ensure awareness and transparency. And lastly, that this policy is not final. City staff is in the process of gathering input from residents, developers, groups who may host special events, and advocates to understand considerations for our final policy. We'll be hosting a public webinar on January 24th through Zoom to provide more information and gather input. And with that, I'd like to answer any questions you may have. Presentation. Are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Speaker slips on this item. Our first speaker is Dan Allison. Commissioners, Dan Allison, resident of District 4. Um, overall, the work zone policy is immensely better than current practice. And I've one of the thing for it. Uh, two improvements it needs. One is it needs to specify compliance with ProAg, particularly R303 and routes, which is now the law. 
it's not enforceable until later this year when Dodd and USDOG adopt it, but it's law now. Um, and there must be monitoring for the policy to be successful. Uh, without monitoring, it'll be a complete failure. As an example of what can go wrong, um, I reported a construction ago at 16th and E Street. Um, it lacked correct closure signing. It lacked barriers for the crosswalks. It lacked advanced warning signs on one of the approaches. Just a total mess. They were using uh, chain link fence as their barrier. 17 days ago, I reported it. As of today, I went to check. None of those issues have been corrected. Construction company hasn't corrected. City hasn't told them to correct. Change. Why we need monitoring. For any project over one day, there must be immediate monitoring. And there must be monitoring at an end that, depending on how on some projects close things for two years or so. It doesn't obviously doesn't need to be every week, but it needs to be monitored because things can go wrong. Earlier meeting, um, some of the out of time, so I won't go into the detail on that. But thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Troy Sankey. anything um, yeah so uh, overall I'm here to share my support this uh, or, or really what the current practice is exactly but overall I'm a big fan of what I've read like the fact that it's talked about sidewalk and bike lane diversions whenever possible instead of just really just following Treating detours as more of a last resort. Possible, I'd love if this policy could also be triggered by non-pre-planned events, such as down. This doesn't happen often. Pays capital barriers sort of vague, but I do think that incre increasing severity of climate change-induced weather events will make this. Um, also, after hearing Dan's comment, I do. site is first set up and then last point here is that um, I just overall think that you know this obviously is going to cost money to implement like it seems like we're doing more than what we currently it, it proposes we do more than what we currently I just want to emphasize that this is a small price to pay for safety and really will pay dividends by mitigating VMTs and together your comments chair I have no other and providing additional recommendations us and for staff to consider um I did see a hand from Commissioner Hode <laughs> uh, did you want to go right, yay <laughs> um, this has been five years in the making I, I agree with uh, Dan Allison 
who was there five years ago, um, helping us to promote the idea of a construction zone. We recognized five years ago was desperately needed. Pain that caused us great concern. The one thing that kind of missing from it, but I'm not sure that we can get it. I recall when we discussed this initially, I thought it was really important that stakeholders like Saba and what was then Walk Sacramento be able to make comments on the plan. Perhaps that's still in there because of the notice requirement. Uh, that to list serves and other. I would hope that the city at that point would be willing to accommodate comments because sometimes the stakeholders come up with things that the rest of us don't come up with. Like to see improvements during, if there's some way to make. I also agree. I, I, I recognize this is going, but we can't continue to force people out in traffic lanes, no warning whatsoever, which is what I've seen, in, even by Caltrans. Really tremendous start. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Um, great presentation. I have a, a few things. Um, let's see, one of the maps, okay, I think in your maps, like after page 21 or after figure nine, there should be something specific to the old Sacramento boardwalk because that's where my three <laughs> terrible encounters have occurred. Uh, even though that's the Sacramento uh, bike trail, the river path. And three times in the past year, it was completely blocked by an event, a huge event. Mardi Gras, I think, um, Mexican independence and one other in the middle. And with no diversion of any type. Since there are so many events in that area, I really think the city ought to offer the event planner or organizer uh, the suggested rerouting for them. And that should be, uh, I think events should be uh, more emphasized in, in this plan. Um, I agree with Dan that there should be consequences for not following these guidelines. It was my understanding that an event cannot block that thoroughfare on the boardwalk. And al although I, that was confirmed to me, it still happened two more times. So even though there is a rule in place, there are no consequences and there was no monitoring. Um, I uh, support the comment, the e-comment um, that came online from Joseph Wraithwall um, that why not reroute traffic, cars I should say, in order for bicycles and pedestrians to be safer in certain construction area uh, projects. And I think there should be hefty fines for non-compliance. Thank you. I just want to add one slight little, um, you know, one one thing I would love to see is more like real world photos, um, events happening or something. Something to consider, um, Commissioner Moore. 
I want to thank Dan and Troy for coming out and making comments. Um, and in disclosure, I don't know if it's necessary, but I attended a working group previously as a member of Civic Thread. Um, but I just want to reiterate that a number of, in the table, a number of the minimum recommendations are for implementing bikeways, this is for diversions, implementing bikeways that are the same bikeway as the existing street. Um, and that's for 36 to 45 miles per hour, 40, over 46 miles per hour with a lot of, you know, over 21,000. Many of those streets are likely only going to have a class two. So recommending what is currently existing is just recommending a class two, which is already dangerous and should they're trying to replace it ideally. So um, if we can increase those to just mandated uh, physically protected bikeways, that would be, I think, far more preferable than just minimum recommending either existing bikeway or, uh, or a bike lane. And then I do recognize that the construction zones are minimum or 25 mile per hour speed limit zone, which is maybe why that's there. But I also think it's a fairly safe bet that most people aren't slowing down to 25 miles per hour in those zones. Um, so if we can recognize that and account for that by just physically providing safety for cyclists and pedestrians, uh, that's preferable. And then secondly, I wanna commend um, staff, staff want, uh, <laughs> for her <laughs> addressing um, concerns around the construction speed limit zone and that the comment was, the only time enforcement happens is when there are police presence. And her comment was that we do not want to encourage the physical presence of police in those instances, but rather rely on more automated measures. Um, and so just really want to second that, uh, that that should be part of this policy, not to have physical police presence in there. Thank you, Chair. Um, I do have a couple of, well, I have one question and one comment, I suppose. Uh, one is for the sidewalk diversions. Um, is there a de definition for short pinch points? Not defined. Jennifer, I'll defer to you. Commissioner Gonzalez, short is defined by PROAC. So we're going to be, um, one of the unique challenges we face in developing this uh, draft policy is that right as we were publishing the draft policy, two big things happened. First is that the National MUTCD Manual on Uniform Traffic Control. We didn't get a preview of that. Um, and so we want to look at that and see if there's anything worthy of incorporating into that. And also the PROWAG guidance, which Dan referenced, has also come out. We're still vetting and referencing what is in that. They're very large documents for us to review. Um, but the pinch points will be defined by PROWAG. Glad to hear that because I think the, the ambiguity of short uh, leads light up to interpretation. I think a cyclist or a pedestrian might have a different definition than a motorist. Or second question or statement, actually, that I have is about um, posting. Um, I, I echo the concerns about monitoring and uh, and the ongoing reality of the situation of the construction. I think this is a great plan. Everyone, if everyone follows it, this this is a you know, huge improvement over what we have now and could be very helpful. about I would much rather see number QR code something Contact somebody for near immediate remedy. Um, that 
uh, Dan and, and Troy and a lot of the other people in this room tonight, maybe watching this meeting, we all know how to navigate 311 and the other mechanisms of the city. Most people do not. Um, and I, I really want to concern myself with those people who may not be so sophisticated in the workings of our bureaucracy. So I really recommend, again, at the beginning and end of each of these um, zones that there be posted mechanism for someone to say, you know, this is blocking something that shouldn't. Can we fix it right now? Or, you know, um, there's signs in the bike lane now or whatever it is that is preventing somebody from using these details. No, I think that is no worries. I had some comments, but I'll uh, <laughs> Commissioner Gibson, go for it. Uh, sure. Uh, just following up on basically a lot of stuff been said around enforcement. <laughs> as I'm looking in kind of how it's drafted, and then sorry if I missed something, is that currently just refers to construction, where the ability for the public works director to um, halt construction until there is a fix made. Um, I really think there should be probably two different things, you know, temporary events, a music festival. I don't think you're going to stop 50,000 people dancing just so uh, we can all get a safe bike route versus uh, construction that's going on for two years um, and listing out what the policies will be, whether is the first step education and then what's the time frame for either then fees or monitoring as some of the public commenters. So fleshing that out, I think, would be the great next step for this. But thank you again for all the hard work on this. Is really happy to see it. Just a quick follow-up. The gigantic music festivals like at Discovery Park do a great job of providing a pathway right through the middle of everything. The old Sacramento Boardwalk does nothing. So I have a question and a comment. I'll start with a question. What does PROWAG really stand for? <laughs> Pull it you can make it up. <laughs> it stands for Public Right-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines. Wait, say that again, Leslie? Public Right-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines. Thank you, Cassandra. Um, okay, here's my comment, and it is around, um, I echo and agree with everything that has been said by commissioners here tonight, and I'm really also happy to hear and see that we have a plan that works. It's awesome. Um, one thing I'm concerned about and interested in is how do you get the word out? So. I know that we often, Asaba, will put something out if we hear about it, but we don't always know, or maybe we'll see it in the City Express, or, you know, I know that the, you know, the International Marathon is a yearly event, so we know that that's happening. But I think that there are a lot of other, either small or large two-year, you know, road changes that are happening where they just sort of pop up, and then we're like, oh, you know, we have a lot of people who are trying to ride their bikes these days, especially with the new... Uh, bike lanes and the mobility project, which is also, and if they come upon one of these, you know, detours or diversions or just like chain link fence, it may very well turn them around and say, all right, place isn't safe. So I'm curious about how, what are the strategies to get the word out and keep getting the word out because we know that people need to hear things more than our draft policy. We have that. Should a project go on longer than a week, then let city staff know, then we can release that through our listservs of any detours that are modified, closed, anything like that. But I agree, we'll consider that more so education and engagement with that. This might be hard, but I want to maybe like we should look to our transit partners who um, have you know worked with Google and Waze and other companies when they're having like changes in their system. 
So, um, or the routes, I guess. Um, I'm wondering if there's an opportunity for the city to like have um, any, you know, longer detours um, be reflected in, in Google Maps or ways or you know, tools that people use to navigate around the city. You know, for transit, I think it's called GTFS, real time, but I don't know how we would do it. <laughs> I'm not, um, not totally sure there. Um, but anyways, really excited uh, to see to see this policy come forward. I know it's been a long time um, in the making, so I really appreciate the time and, and work that you did. Um, I do have a couple comments, um, and oh, go for it. Yeah, I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> okay, honestly, one of the times I knew you were cool was when you were like. This is not okay when there was a church construction and you couldn't get across the sidewalk and I was like, this girl knows what's going on. No, but I wanted to uplift a couple of the comments that I heard. Number one was um, staffing and accountability and really making sure, and I would be very curious to see the plan for holding groups accountable. Um, but also I'm kind of wondering, um, for groups that are hosting events but that they don't have a ton of money, would there be some kind of support from the city in terms of, you know, borrowing signs or supporting with, I think there was a comment too about like creating a route together and understanding that. So just kind of from an equity perspective for folks that wouldn't necessarily be able to come up with that themselves. The draft policy doesn't have anything like that right now, but we'll take that into consideration. So yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for bringing that forward. Yeah, because we don't, don't want to discourage um, community members from, from hosting events and stuff. I think, I think that's great are aware of any examples of other cities who have programs to support um, nonprofits and stuff please share with staff um okay just a few few comments um I really liked in uh, the bottom paragraph of page two that you talk about actions rather than sideload terms for the for the users I think that's really important people who are walking biking taking transit pedestrians or bicyclists that sort of thing so Thank you for including that. Um, I think language really does matter, and so it's great to see. I haven't seen um, that reflected in, in previous. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my little horse right now. Um, I just wanted to, uh, I'll, I'll do some homework on my end, but make sure that you're using the most updated Caltrans policies from the MUTCD. I know in the past like year or so, they did update the bicycle and pedestrian detour language. And the link that was provided didn't look like what I had seen. So just want to make sure, um, and I'll follow up with um, you all to make sure that you have the most uh, recent information. Um, next, I had a question. Um, is there a publicly available place to view all of the construction projects uh, that, are, that have approved temporary traffic control plans? make a recommendation that, that staff um, create such a database um, I know you know obviously within um, within this policy you know you talk about you know up, um, signs and are very familiar with going to the city's website to access information so one place where they you know can see the traffic uh, traffic control plans uh, would be would be extremely helpful can I ask a clarifying question? Do you want to see the where they are, or are you asking to see the actual traffic control plans that are approved? I want to see both. I want to see where they are and also the traffic control. 
And yeah, because I think this helps with accountability um, when the community is able to see what was approved by city staff, you know, then they can go out for themselves and, and make sure that it's being followed. And if it's not, they can report that um, on 311. Oh. I, I believe so, yeah, as well. Okay, so thank you for answering um, that. I had, um, I, I didn't write down the page, but a question on the temporary platform that might be needed due to a slope of parking lane. Um, I didn't see that, just like a, a drawing of that within um, what was presented to us, so I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Chair Dewan Westbrook, if we're for say, for example, we are diverting a sidewalk because the sidewalk is closed, the walkway, the sidewalk is closed, so we're diverting the walking activity onto a street. Our streets, some of which are 150 years old, the slope of the street, because it's heavily crowned, does not meet accessibility requirements. And so we need a platform built onto that so that it is an accessible path of travel. So. Um, Cassandra, can you go back to that photo of 7th Street where we had the pedestrian diversion with the train link fence? Gonna go, it's, yeah. Almost there. Two back, I think. <laughs> Yeah, okay, great, this is it. So this is 7th Street. So this street happens to be relatively flat, so a person using an assistive device, I'm assuming it's no more than 2% cross slope. Um, but some of our streets are incredibly um, sloped, and so it doesn't meet accessibility. So we need a platform, a platform that needs to be built here in order to be able to, to accommodate uh, people walking. Yeah, no, totally in support and understood. No, I, I just didn't see like a drawing of that um, within what was presented, so I thought maybe that, that could be helpful or maybe an example. Okay. Well, we'll bring it back to the city traffic engineer who approves what plans can go in there and not go in there, and uh, we'll let him know of your request. <laughs> Thank you. That was a very thorough explanation, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've um, experienced riding my bike on, on some of those very uh, sloped uh, parking lanes before. Um, okay. I did have a question and I kind of feel like I already know the response. Um, but for figure one, uh, it's the chart on bikeway selection or bikeway facility selection. Um, curious if uh, we could use FHWA's bikeway selection guide instead. Um, within, within their um, guide, it recommends separated bikeways at an ADT of 8,000 and speeds of 30 miles per hour. So that bikeway selection facility guideline is from our bicycle master plan and our streets for people plan that will be considered and updated. That can be updated through the streets for people project. Okay, and then once that project is finalized, you'll then update the detour to reflect that change? We'll have to take that into consideration. We want to reference the streets for people plan. We also want to be cognizant of giving our our teams in the city that will be implementing this, a single document. Um, it just makes it easier for them rather than having to reference. So we'll, we will work out a way, um, but we will, the, the facility selection guidelines will be reflected in the Streets for People plan. 
which can be informed by the FHWA guidance. Um, but when you, you'll see that when that comes out, and you'll be able to review and comment on it with Leslie and Jeff. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just think any opportunity we have to provide people with more separation um, is better. And so I thought, surprisingly, FHWs is a little bit stronger than what we have at the city uh, right now. <laughs> um, so anyways, kudos to them. Um, okay, uh, I think in the updated MUTCD, which I know you all are reviewing right now, um, language has changed around share the road. Um, so within Chapter 9, it now has a... a a sign of three foot minimum clearance to pass, which aligns with AB 1909 uh, that was passed in California in 2022. So <clears throat> instead of tear the road, something to flag, I guess, in, in your review. Um, I, it, I just noticed like a slight difference in the, the tables for pedestrian projects and uh, or sorry, for um, work zone and event uh, projects that might affect pedestrians and those that might affect bicyclists. And I was wondering if you could talk to for the bicyclist one, you at the top speeds and stuff, but I didn't see that on the pedestrian one. So I was curious to say why that was. Yeah, currently for the um, applicability charts for the bikeways, that does reference speed and ADT. Right now on pedestrians, it does not. So we can take that into consideration. Okay, great, thank you so much. Um, and then just lastly, I already, I already touched on it earlier. I think um, any example, like real world examples that you could add to the guide would be helpful. I know our friend Dan in the audience has captured a lot over the years, so um, maybe we can you know, reach out and <laughs> try to get some, some good pictures. I have a few. Um, yes, of course. Uh, Chair Dewey uh, apologies to follow up on that. The, guide, the goal with the guidance is to show what we want rather than not what we, what we don't want. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, as staff, I would suggest that you consider not recommending including things that we don't want to show. This is a document we're giving to the crews who are literally going to be out in the field implementing this. And this is all done in an incredibly quick turnaround. Um, so we want to make it simple and succinct so that they have clear direction on what our expectations are rather than what we don't want them to do. I guess my recommendation is do this photos, not do that. So I think within the presentation you provided us today, those were examples of what we do, what, you, what we do want to see. So if, I don't know, if it adds value, if not, totally okay. Um, and then lastly, I just did have one question. This, the photo's up on the screen right now. You can see that um, the, the bike, bike, oh, excuse me, the bike parking is affected uh, by this work zone closure. And um, so I would uh, like to see maybe a um, conversation within this guide of like what happens if bike parking is affected. That goes both for events and for work zone detours. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Lost my thought. <laughs> I know what it is. Um, I think that having some illustrations um, besides the kind of schematics that we have for what we're looking for versus what we don't want or you know, the, do this, not this, would be really helpful, especially for those people that are doing special events. Um, for example, we, Saba, has put on special events in the city and we trusted Capital Corridor, but it would have been really great when we were working on a traffic um, safety plan and a corridor plan 
to have some a little bit better understanding of what we were talking about with them because there are a lot of people that put on events in the city that have no idea and it would be really great somewhat of it is just a learning experience okay this is what this is what we mean and this is what we're trying to do to me it's a little bit more of an education piece for people that aren't in the traffic barricade and diversion and detour uh, space Lot. Um, but ultimately, I think this, you've done a tremendous job so far and really pleased um, with what you all put together. Um, and we'll see it when it is there going to, sorry, are you going to plan to bring this back to the Active Transportation Commission or finalize it? Wonderful. Or City Council. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you for your comments. Thank you. Um, our next item is item number five, log item report back on Sacramento Alleys. In honor of Commissioner Granville, who put this on the log, so hopefully she's listening. Commissioners Jennifer Donlin Wyatt, Transportation Planning Manager, updates a lot cooler over here than it is back over there where you all are sitting. And I might not go back and join you and stay right here. Um, so uh, I'm Transportation Planning Manager, and I'm doing a report back on former Commissioner Granville's request on um, Sacramento's alleys. Can you hear me okay? Okay, great. Um, so, Commissioner Granville placed on the law, how by alleyway design infrastructure improvement, what might be the potential economic, social, and environmental benefits of activating alleys uh, as public spaces? So, those are the questions that former Commissioner Granville posed and was added to the log with your support. Reporting back on that. So, maybe a little background for you all. There are over 1,200 alleys in the city of Sacramento primarily in our older areas of the city. Um, as you can see here, this is a map of alleys that we serve. I actually pulled it from our internal database of different treatments, I guess, uh, for the different alley types. But you can see they're generally in our older areas, but not exclusively. North Thomas has some alleys as well, um, as well as the pocket and, and South uh, Sacramento. Alleys, in case you didn't know what the purpose of alleys were, they have a couple of purposes. One, to provide access for recycling, compost, solid waste services. As you can see here, this is one of our recycling and solid waste trucks. Um, this is how they are serviced by our recycling and solid waste. Also, a number of garages. So uh, for whether some houses are built back where their car parking garage is uh, accessed via the alley. Um, and for accessory, accessory dwelling units. So the city of Sacramento is a, um, and um, as part of our strategy for getting more housing in the city, we, many of which do have their access from alleys. And so that's another access point, um, those alleys. And then depending on the design, they can also offer mobility for walking. 
There are three types of surface treatments in our alleys in the city of Sacramento. They can be paved either with concrete or asphalt. They could be gravel or they can be dirt or they can be a combination thereof as this alley in North Sacramento. In a few limited, very limited circumstances, we have permeable pavement uh, in our alleys. And in fact, it's two blocks. Um, these are very limited because workers uh, uh, cannot easily accommodate heavy trucks. Um, structurally, they're just not able to. And so the challenge is, is that when we do uh, how do we still maintain the access? Or if it's more commercial, also delivery. And there are many alleys that um, have been gated or closed to prevent illegal activity and dumping. It's one of the larger complaints that we get. Other parts of the city, illegal dumping is a significant issue. And in fact, team retreat last week, and we were in Old North Alley project saw a cleanup happening. Um, I don't think it was part of the official Dixie and Alley project, but the neighbors were doing a cleanup while we were up there anyway, because there was a. Um, and so often what we do are gates are put up uh, to prevent. Uh, for the Dixie and um, Alley project, uh, bollards rather than gates to ensure. And so to the law questions, how might alleyway design infrastructure improvement? Um, well, right now, uh, one of the questions I know that former Commissioner Granville had asked safety and safety related to walking on a sidewalk and a car coming out of an alley, visibility and issues. We don't have any data. Data doesn't show there's a reported problem on safety around mobility and Definitely have problems around dumping, but our, our crash data, our 301 data, um, we're not seeing any significant concerns around. Um, though, of course, as I mentioned, we do see a lot of issues. Around. So, uh, I, as always, encourage everyone to use 301. That is, so if there are issues around alleys, please let us know through the 301. Uh, and then we can, alley activation is typically a, you know, how we activate alleys or how we figure out activation. It's also to do it with land uses. What are the immediate land uses around it? How is it currently? Can we ensure that the activation that may happen aligns with the services, such as recycling and solid waste, um, access for businesses who are getting their delivery, those are things that we think about. Alleys can provide direct access to destinations. One of the things um, which are wonderful and is great, especially if you have a business in a back alley, happens when you get to the end of the alley. How do we, how do we not, how do we consider the safety of people who want to go to the other alley, a street where maybe drivers are inspecting them and we haven't created for crossing there. So those are the things that we think about because mid-block crossings in unexpected areas um, can be concerning. The other question was, might be the, what might be the potential economic, social, and environmental as public spaces? So we haven't done an in-depth 
analysis of this. And you know, one of the challenges we face is that our workload is significant, so we haven't. This hasn't been a. Just take a quick look to see what other support small businesses and arts. Um, it can enhance the walking experience, provide connections across blocks from loud streets. So where maybe have high volume, quieter. It's nicer. Um, it creates more gathering space for people to gather and hang out and, and connect. Um, and by bringing people there, there can be benefits. Um, however, it costs resources and funding. And so in the last 20 years, we've had about two alley activation projects. First one was 2000 sometime before my time at the city. I'm going to say before 2010, um, which was Lee Style Alley, um, which is I'm so bad at my alphabet and my grade. Great, thank you. Uh, and it's between 19th and 17th streets. Um, that was funded through private development. It was provided through the old SHRA funding that we used to have when we had redevelopment. Um, and so those funding sources are no longer available. Or um, like the Dixie Neighborhood Alley Project, through Clean California. Um, and so this, alpha, this effort for the Dixie Ann project, which you'll learn more about next month, is really about alley activation, alley cleanup in Old North Sacramento. Those are the two alley activation projects. Does it mean that private development? To work with, with our community. She was involved in it. Oh, wait, oh, I can't. In the middle? Wait, right there. Hi, Isaac's mom. <laughs> and Harry, your aunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so exciting. <laughs> um, and so that is my presentation on alleys in the city of Sacramento. Uh, commissioners, I'm happy to take any questions or comments. And Thank you so much, Jennifer. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have one speaker slip on this item. Uh, Troy Sankey. Hello again. So, in alley activation, I uh, absolutely love. I absolutely love the idea of it. I um, I feel like alleys represent a lot of underutilized space just sitting under our noses. Our alleys are about twenty feet. I can't remember twenty. 20 or 22 feet wide, but even narrower historic streets exist in older cities like Boston and Philly, um, and I've seen them firsthand. And these are extremely quaint and desirable places to be, places to live and places to work. Um, my house in here in Sacramento has one side facing Chinatown Alley, but after living there for almost two years, I can probably count the number of times I've entered the alley on my hands. Um, I think. I read a book called Walkable Cities by Jeff Speck, and he talked about how too often cities uh, in, like prioritize streetscape beautification, such as like lighting and paving, and they do that first before implementing land use policies, which make walking more productive uh, and locating, locating more housing and jobs and other destinations on the street, uh, in this case, alleys, uh, which he describes as should be the first priority before beautification. Um, something to think about there. I I, uh, I think that 
Mostly empty backyards and parking garages are pretty low value and unproductive uses of alley facing land. Uh, it's probably the primary, primary reason why those spaces feel unsafe or vacant. Jane Jacobs writes about uh, eyes on the street, which is a concept that really uh, highlights the importance of a vibrant street life uh, and how that relates to neighborhood safety. Um, I don't know exactly how to encourage this land use transformation on private property, but um, I think it's something to uh, focus on. Um, something else to think about is the practicality of being able to walk or bike across blocks, between blocks, using the alleys uh, without marked crosswalks or any, any traffic calming that we have. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more speakers on this item. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner uh, Banks. Uh, <clears throat> thanks, Jennifer, for this. And thank you, uh, Commissioner Granville, for bringing this forward to us. Um, I love alleys. I think they're awesome. They're really fun. We run bicycle rides through alleys regularly. Um, and they're great. And I'm wondering whether or not um, and, you know, some of them are better than others, obviously. I love the idea of bollards over gates that really say, don't go through here. It's a, it, is a, it can often be a quieter space from which to get around a low-stress bicycle network, right? And see it that way, all of a sudden, the city becomes, um, uh, you know, has all these other different ways to get around. I'm wondering though, because some of the alleys are, you know, fairly dirty and glass is strewn and, you know, they're not in as great a shape as some of our streets are. I'm wondering if we could incentivize uh, groups, organizations, and or folks that live on an alley to like a, an adopt an alley kind of a program, like adopt a mile, right, where people do cleanups on the alley versus, you know, you get the idea. Um, the American River Bike um, trail has adopt a mile on it where different do clean up on the, that section. It might be um, a cool program, uh, something that maybe the city could help subsidize with a grant, small grants for cleanup and alley beautification, and all of a sudden you're, you are activating spaces in a really fun, different kinds of way. We've also had um, events where we close the alley down that's a little bit uh, wilder, um, especially if the event's going on at night because noise, et cetera. But still a lot of fun. So <laughs> thumbs up for alleys. <laughs> Adopt an alley program. Kind of feels weird saying my own name multiple times. <laughs> yeah, don't adopt me. <laughs> but, uh, any other hands? your presentation really informative so yeah thank you so much for for bringing this forward to us and sharing examples of some communities who have already taken to one so yeah <laughs> um okay Great, thank you. All right, uh, the next item is member comments and ideas, questions, and meeting slash conference report. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Go ahead. Uh, first of all, I um, will be uh, making a log request on behalf of Commissioner Harris, asking a question about an upcoming transit project. 
Uh, but first, uh, I'm just going to take a moment to acknowledge uh, pedestrians and cyclists that we lost due to traffic violence since our last meeting. Uh, Amanda Sheed of Rancho Cordova died on November 30th from a crash uh, on the corner of Pocket Road in Greenhaven uh, next to the school for two small children, a Montessori school in the Pocket area. The driver was since arrested for a DUI. Um, on December 7th, in the daytime around 11 a.m., a cyclist uh, was killed in a hit and run on North Bend and the Thomas Boulevard. Um, on Christmas Eve, uh, late at night, around 2 a.m., on 15th Street and 60th Avenue, uh, a man was found hit by a car and hit and run. Um, on Christmas morning, on um, around 12:45, a cyclist uh, was killed due to a suspected DUI driver on East Commerce Way and North Park in Natomas. Um, then the last one that I saw um, was on 21st and X Street in the morning on Tuesday this week, around 7:45. A 55-year-old woman was hit and killed in a hit and run. Um, fortunately, um, the only silver line this is SAC police did arrest the driver the next day, which um, doesn't happen in the majority of cases. So at the very least, there was that that um, took place. Um, just want to take the moment to acknowledge uh, those things because that's what I think we're all here for. Um, I just want to, this log request was sent via email a few minutes before the meeting, so not sure if staff had a chance to see it from Commissioner Harris. Um, she asked me just to uh, list it out for you all. Uh, the Item title is, quote, public presentation on repurposing a crossing of Highway 160 to active transportation. Um, the specific request is to add it at the topic to the upcoming meeting of February uh, next month to our agenda. Um, it would fall within item seven of commissioner duties and would be in uh, uh, on council districts two and three. Then there was a quest for um, a single sentence um, for equity, but the commissioner wrote more, so I'll just read the full line. Um, Highway 160 and the Capital City Freeway physically divide Old North Sacramento from the central city, limiting walking and biking access to parks and recreations, regional retail, and employment destinations. These constructions of these highways create a mobility barrier to residents and communities of North Sacramento. According to climate, and economic justice screen tool. The project area is mostly comprised of disadvantaged communities with census tracts ranging from 82 to 93rd low income percentiles, which is entirely composed of census tracts as defined as, quote, areas of persistent poverty. Furthermore, this project area is in Old North Sacramento is a majority black, uh, Latino, A and X, and Asian, has been decades of underinvestment for environmental justices. Um, so that's the verbal comment of the request. Just want to make sure that's received. Mr. Gibson, thanks you for being a team player and reading it into the record. I do have a number of questions following up to that. I don't know if you can answer that. Um, my first question is, is that it's, uh, the item title is a public presentation on uh, crossing of Highway 160. Uh, is the expectation that the commissioner is making a presentation or its staff is making a presentation? Um, let me see if there's more information on the text message <laughs> she sent me. Uh, one moment, please. Um, I believe it's either from the commissioner or a community member. Okay, great. So I will follow with Commissioner Harris on that. Um, we, we cannot agendize it for February. So the way that the log works <coughs> is that you request, you request a log item tonight. It will be on the consent calendar in February on the log assuming that is approved by the commissioners 
then it will be eligible, the first time it will be eligible for a agendizing it, February, March, would be March. Um, so just note that and we'll make sure that Commissioner Harris knows that. We'll follow up with her after that meeting. Um, and I think that was it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then I had a question about uh, the Truxell Bridge project. Um, there was a, uh, the first public uh, presentation was about a week ago now. Um, I just want to see is there, first of all, an initial plan for the Truxell Bridge to be brought forward to the ATC for comments about the active transportation component of the project? Commissioner Gibson, great question. Um, you will be hearing from Sparky Harris, who is the project manager on that, on that effort in February. Mm -hmm. I just want to warn all commissioners, the February agenda is incredibly packed. You will be here past 9 o'clock, is my guess, so um, just come prepared for that. All right. And also staff, come prepared for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Looking forward to that presentation and thank uh, staff for having the presentation uh, last week in Natomas. Uh, just one quick comment there wasn't an online portion to participate. I, just in 2024, I hope, just wish all public events hosted by the city at the very least have a chance to listen in. So thank you. Chair Gonzalez. I need to push that button. Um, I want to start by thanking Commissioner Gibson uh, for putting in the proper context of the work and why we're here today. Um, his consistency uh, in reminding us at nearly every meeting at the conclusion. I'm sure collecting all that information is difficult, not only easily tracked, but also emotionally the, the, the weight that comes with it is not easy. But I do also want to um, bring up, and we also lost another cyclist near the Rayleigh store, in that case as well. unfortunate and thoughts out to their family and loved ones. Um, I do have a couple things that I want to bring up though. Um, first I want to thank the public speakers once again for coming out this evening. I appreciate that very much. Uh, your content um, is helpful in the discussion. I know that there are competing events tonight. There's a Kings game around the corner. There's a very well attended Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association mayoral forum from the pictures I'm seeing on Instagram. Um, so I appreciate you bringing your attention and your, your, your um, I have a question, I don't know if it'll be answered tonight, maybe it'll be answered in the future, but um, the last city council meeting in Maple um, was tested positive for COVID and inappropriate. Um, I think I'd like to absence in a 12-month period rule um, that could subject you to um, removed from the commission. I would hate for someone to get removed from the commission just because they're sick. Um, so I'd like to find out and get clarification if Zoom call-in option could be available to commissioners as well. My next uh, comment or statement is, is um, I would like to stress to the clerk and staff that we attempt to adhere to the calendar that we poll or speak to the commissioners before making changes to the calendar. As I alluded to a moment ago, I, I had a, an event that I've been quite a while that I'm missing to of the calendar, which um, obviously prioritizes this. This is very important. It is, it is unfortunate that the meeting got changed. And probably not best practice to have two commission meetings in one night for the public participation. Parks Commission tonight may have had ideas that they could have shared with us. Um, going back to the fatality issues, um, I, I just want to mention that uh, I would, if there is one, I would love to know more about it. And if there's not, I would hope that we could create some sort of dashboard to, to capture the amount of injuries and fatalities. motor vehicles and pedestrians and cyclists. 
that information be readily get to our vision zero we get data from different places I know it takes time and I know it's a backlog but I've spoken with staff and I have spoken with the PD now spontaneous idea of what that might be helpful to keep a data John and I we may um, for all advocates interested in safety I highly recommend you read today's SACB article after a deadly crash Sacramento fixed a dangerous road why isn't this the norm is one of the best exposés I've seen. Things that many, many of us here on this dais may all know about, but people who aren't as experienced as staff here, uh, as advocates here, um, really illuminates part of the picture. And I think it important issues. Uh, as I go out to speak to people about slowdown Sacramento, and I talk about why things aren't always a driver's fault, and how road design has so much to do with. And lastly, if we are going to be here till or past 9 o'clock uh, next month, uh, can I ask that we keep the cameras on? Uh, at the meeting where we talked about the report, at 9 o'clock, the cameras went off. Everything happened after 9 o'clock. We're going to stay here after 9 o'clock in February, and we stream until the end. That's all. Uh, regarding the uh, ending of the live stream at that meeting, uh, that was um, on the clerk's office on our back-end system. We set the meeting for four hours, and it went well beyond that. Um, so um, yeah. be, because of that, it, it kind of clicked off. Uh, we did uh, go back. The cameras were still running in the back. We went back and added the remain, remainder of that meeting to the archive. So that is the, the full meeting is up. And we do apologize for having it cut off. Fantastic. Uh, I don't think any of us anticipated that night. <laughs> Jacob, can you also comment on the ability for commissioners to zoom in when they're sick? Uh, thank you. Um, at this time, or uh, from uh, council direction, was to remove the uh, zoom ability for um, uh, commissions as well as the public. Um, council will allow that in emergency situations um, or quorum of the uh, of the council. But at this time, that's not being extended to the. Um, Commissions, as there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Brown Act hoops that uh, would be needed to jump through um, that you know, may be deemed um, how do I put it uh, possibly intrusive from the commissioners themselves. Um, so at this time, we're not allowing that. Um, uh, for further information, um, we can uh, speak offline with the uh, city clerk or assistant city clerk. Um, and Commissioner Gonzalez, to a couple of your other things, apologies for changing the published date. Originally, when the calendar for commission was adopted, um, it was scheduled for the fourth Thursday, which is the 25th. It actually, it was a conflict for staff, and we weren't wouldn't be able to host the commission. It's the Planning and Design Commission is actually either. Um, so we wouldn't have been able to have a meeting, and it would have been two commissions having the same night, and we would have also been in the third list. Apologies. Uh, moving forward, we're hoping to always have the third Thursday, which is our uh, to consistently have our commission meetings at the. Um, oh, the dashboard. Thank you so much. I should have taken notes. Um, interestingly, so as Commissioner Gonzalez, you asked about a dashboard for crashes. Our Vision Zero Action Plan actually calls for the creation of a dashboard. We have not had the capacity to do that. Um, however, we have a new data analyst on board who is getting up to speed. 
Um, and so our goal is to um, not only uh, have a dashboard for as per the Vision Zero Action Plan, but a few, uh, a number of other metrics that we hope to publish online. It will not be immediate though. So the, for example, uh, it will not be until the investigation has been closed from the police department and then we receive that information. So there will be a delay, but our goal is to be able to publish the data that we have available to us for a number of factors, including crashes and as well as infrastructure, post crosswalks, um, all that information that Thank you so much. Um, and full support of creating a, a dashboard. And I think I saw that you had welcomed several. Um, that was maybe one of the other things you wanted to talk about. So maybe we could um, you could do that in February, uh, or you could, or you could do it now. I don't know. It'd just be good for <laughs> maybe not. February sounds intense. Um, yeah. I'll be really quick. Anyone's in the room. Okay, we, we, okay, so folks, uh, I think um, we did a staff retreat last week and I might have posted some photos on social media. So Chair Duo Westbrook might have seen them as a few others of you. Um, so our team has grown to a team of eight now, although six of which are permanent staff, two of which are temporary staff. Um, and so our newer, so you obviously know Jeff and Leslie who are in the room today. We have Dylan Samden in the room today. He is our Civic Spark fellow. We're very excited to have Dylan on our team. Uh, and Dylan is supervised by Cassandra, who has uh, left us, uh, left the room, <laughs> not left us. Um, we also have Melissa Muganzo, who is another temporary staff member on our team. She's an artist in residence, um, who is a videographer, and we're working with her to create the uh, short video, informational videos. Um, there'll be some educational, there'll some, some about our projects, particularly for Street Sports. And... and uh, I don't know if you've met Cherise Padilla. Has Cherise been here before? I can't recall. If, I think Cherise has presented. Um, she has been with our team for about a year. She's a transportation planner on our team. We also have Leon Shum, who is one of our newest permanent hires. Leon is our data analyst, uh, who will be helping us with GIS, Power BI, all of that great data crunching stuff. And I think I hit everybody. Thank you, Leslie. Leslie keeps me on track. Um, and uh, so that is our now team of eight, which is very exciting. Thank you. <laughs> That's OK. Very exciting. Thank you. Did I miss any hands? Or banks? That you guys are up to eight people. That's great. Uh, that means a lot more work can get done, for sure. <laughs> uh, not that you need any more work, but uh, you know, I mean that in all the good ways. I mean that in all the good ways. Um, but I want to um, come back to um, Commissioner Gonzalez's um, uh, mention of the article that was in the Today Sec B. I read it also and thought it was fantastic. Um, thank you, Mr. Moore, Commissioner Moore. He was quoted in it a couple of times, which was great. And, um, but one thing that really struck me was there was a little data point in there that talked about that the city had gone after over $300 million in grants for transportation received $38 million. That's rough. And um, I'm wondering, because what I didn't hear was that maybe one of these new hires or the city is maybe getting better at figuring out a way to help support the grant writing. Because I think there was some other factoid in there. It was like over 200 hours or so is used to, you know, go after grants. 
I understand grant writing and um, going after them because I do it for my agency, my little organization, and it's hard and it's a lot of work, but 338, we got to figure out something else. Mr. Banks, if I may, um, I would say that that's because we're ambitious. So we go after every single grant opportunity that's before us, and we also go after a, a, a slew of projects. So for example, for the Caltrans Transportation Planning Grants that we just submitted, typically receive one award, although last year we received three, which is incredibly unusual. We typically receive one, yet we applied for four, because all four are important. So those numbers in the article today reflect our ambition to get the funding. The challenge is, is that the, the grant programs don't have enough funding to support the work that we do. That's the, I'd say that is the bigger challenge. Our grant applications are rock star and stellar. Um, they're complex. They, um, they are applications that we submit reflect our, our passion for our work, our passion for improving our city. The challenge is, as we learned for Safe Streets and Roads for All, we were highly recommended for funding for the Marysville project, but that program has a cap. You, no state can get more than 15% of the pot. That means South Dakota can get the same exact amount of money as California. And California, being a significant state, we just couldn't beat San Francisco, San Jose, Los Angeles. Um, and so I think the challenge is, is that not necessarily our ability to write grants. Um, and I used to consult before I joined the city. I wrote a lot of grants, and I would say that our, our internal staff, as well as the consultants we hire, do a great job. We're just, we try to get as much money as humanly that's the challenge. There's to get the work done. Yeah, just to be clear, I was not saying you guys don't do a good job <laughs> at grant writing. Uh, you guys all punch above your weight. That's clear. I just wish there was um, more money in the active transportation pot because I was also pretty surprised in reading in the in the in the article today too that there are city council members that have actually been able to lobby council to give them dollars to actually change roads that are um, unsafe. So I was, wow, that is a departure from uh, the usual process that we are all uh, well known and understand how that works, that larger projects get done. Pretty surprised about that. Anyway, I guess my larger comment is I want to see more money in the trans active transportation pot so that you guys can go after more grants, have more matches, and um, have dollars to be able to do some more of these smaller projects, traffic calming, a roundabout, or whatever it is that might help um, with the safety that we talk about at the end of every meeting. Yeah, I just wanted to. Ooh, hello. I wanted to um, add uh, a thought, a commitment. Um, I'm also a member of the Hollywood Park Neighborhood Association, and we were just um, um, given an opportunity to provide a letter of support for a planning grant for Caltrans, and um, for the Fruit Ridge Road kind of. Um, fi figuring that section of the city out a little better than it is right now. And, you know, I think there's a lot of um, differing understandings of what these grants are for and who they, um, who they support um, in terms of when they're improved, like drivers versus pedestrians versus cyclists. Um, and so my commitment is to help the city communicate to different um, neighborhood associations the importance of, especially planning grants and 
and these kind of um, corridor improvement studies that, um, you know, the, the, the idea that your commute time might potentially be um, impacted is not necessarily the worst outcome. Um, but without like making all enemies, you know, <laughs> from folks. But um, I'm committed to keeping that message alive, and um, I'm curious from um, staff and from other uh, commissioners um, how how we keep that momentum going um, when we are facing our um, neighbors um, having different understandings of of what planning grants are for and whether or not our transportation department has money, um, et cetera, et cetera. So my comment. And I appreciate staff joining our neighborhood association. I was unable to make it to that um, meeting. I was actually at the TRB conference, Transportation Research Board conference in DC that week, so I wasn't able to attend. But I saw the flurry of emails, and I felt very excited to be, uh, be a covert agent and <laughs> sitting on the Active Transportation Commission the very next week. So. <laughs> We, we strive to, um, we are doing, trying to do better to educate our many community organizations and community members about what grants are available, how transportation funding works. Uh, it's complex and it requires um, some time and some handholding and discussions. Um, if you have not signed up for our newsletter, our newsletter that went out early this week touches on that. Um, and what we're going to be doing next month in our newsletter is um, how it, a project goes from an idea to really set the stage so that our community members understand how it works um, to, to better educate our folks. The challenge is, is that while we might be a team of eight right now, we have traditionally been a team of what, Leslie, three? Um, and and um, for a city of a, a half million people, it's hard for us to reach everybody, so we often have to rely on our community partners. Um, and individuals to help spread the word about um, how, how the processes work and the importance of our outcomes. And an ongoing challenge that we consistently face is there are many different perspectives on the mobility network and what it should do and how it should do it. And it's a, a larger discussion we have in every community meeting that we go to. Um, our goal is to always center a couple of key things or values as approved Uh, access to destinations, which is parks, schools, and jobs, climate and air quality, uh, maintaining the system, uh, safety vision zero, uh, and uh, uh, last, I wanted to save equity for last but not least, I don't think I'm missing one, which is because I, okay, yeah, okay, thank you, Leslie. <coughs> and the last one is equitable investment, and by equitable investment we mean two things, and this was defined by our communities, not by staff. The first one is investing in our communities that lack basic infrastructure. There are parts of the city of Sacramento that don't have curb, they don't have gutter, they don't have sidewalk, they don't have streetlights, just don't have the basic infrastructure. So investing in those communities first. The other thing is to address harms caused by racism historically. Um, and so those are our values for investment uh, and moving these uh, moving forward. And we try to reiterate and have those conversations to go out and have those conversations. But of course, there are but a few of us, and there are many organizations. I think Leslie would like to add something, yeah, but she does not have her microphone. Um, something I got. Yeah, 
Um, something I'd like to add is with our new staff, the data analyst position, I'm really excited that we can use data to tell a better story. So. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think, yeah, I think using data to tell the story, I think um, I was, Sorry, a little closer. Um, you know, in the past week was it in DC, and I think they're, one thing that they're using to tell the story is actually putting up signage, um, um, in, in particular when someone has um, lost their life to traffic violence, they actually have a sign that memori memorializes that person, um, and then also talks um, and about the improvements that, that were made um, after the fatality. Obviously, we want to make the improvements before a fatality occurs, but um, I would, um, I'll try to, I think I took a picture, so I can share that with staff. I think that's something that we can also consider, uh, along with, you know, using data to tell um, the story of why, why we need to um, make change to our roadways. Um, okay, I had, oh, go, no, you're so good. Uh, Commissioner Moore. <laughs> Uh, I apologize if this has been brought up at a previous commission meeting, and if so, you don't have to discuss it now. But uh, I want to elevate, there was another recent SACB article on the homeowner's responsibility to repair sidewalks, and there were some inequities right, brought up in that article. I cannot recall if it was number of citations in our disinvested communities or if it was the financial yeah, amount. Um, uh, was, which one? Price tag. Price tag, yeah. Um, is there, I'm sure the city is aware of this, but is there any discussion or um, is it... Or is there awareness of that issue from an equity standpoint? And do we have a way of addressing that? Commissioner Moore, the challenge we face at the city of Sacramento is that we um, don't have the financial resources to um, we do, And we do not have action to look at We work for the city manager who works for city council, and any change to that process. Uh, it, I think your comment is in <clears throat> response to maybe the city, like, footing that bill or being financially responsible. Is there anything we can do to limit the financial responsibility on them? I understand there's liability just in the nature of sidewalks, but can we do something to just reduce the immediate burden that they're going to face from being cited or, or the financial Commissioner Moore, that would have to come at direction of City Council. We'd be allocating. Okay, I think that's a really important question. We can also consider including that in our annual report. So, yeah, something to think about. Um, okay, I just had a couple of things, and apologies for not mentioning or asking this question when we were talking about the work zone in public events. Um, effort earlier, but I am curious what mechanisms the city has to enforce obstructions of the public right-of-way, you know, outside of work zone detours and um, events. I know, you know, often businesses might put signage or chairs or seating and stuff that also obstructs um, the public right-of-way, so um, I was wondering if uh, staff could uh, speak to what mechanisms exist to enforce that right-of-way is available. Thank you, Chair Dua Westbrook. At this point, my understanding is the city does not have a way for code enforcement to in the public right of way that our code enforcement teams only enforce on private property. There currently is not a process that I'm aware of to address that. 
Okay. So, so they can't, they can enforce the parking, but not the, the So, so I'm going to give a very large high level overview. Our code enforcement group, which is housed in our community development department, does code enforcement for private property. So like, let's pretend I build an illegal structure or something. That is enforceable by the code enforcement group. Parking enforcement group can enforce illegal parking. But if a, um, if a business illegally installs uh, a sign or, or on a sidewalk uh, or something similar, we, we don't ha currently have a mechanism to address that. I think that's an issue, <laughs> um, and I, I'm seeing some head nods of, um, uh, across the room. So I'm wondering, um, maybe we could have a well, discussion of you know what mechanism so that we can enforce this. Um, who's appropriate to to bring forward this conversation? But I, I do think it's really important and. and Something that we've all voiced. You know, we report things on three one one all the time, but I think we're we. Um, oh, I guess I'm asking to put this on the log. Oh. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Okay, I'm, I'm, I will email you. Yes, I'll do the homework. Okay, great. Adding to log. Got it. Okay, um, there was that. Um, I also wanted uh, to bring up, I had a community member share with me a picture of a bike and leaf zone buffer that was recently uh, painted on Q, I think between 18th and 19th. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, I've submitted many reports to 311 about uh, you know uh, leaf piles being put in the bike lane and stuff like that. So I was really happy to see the city's proactive nature in, in installing, or sorry, in painting uh, this type of buffer. and. Um, yeah, I was curious uh, if you're aware of any addition or if this is going to be standard practice uh, for the city moving forward or if this is a special scenario. Chair Dino Westbrook, my understanding is that this is our first rollout with our new separated bikeways. and It's most applicable in a separated bikeway because you have that buffer space in which to create that. Um, we're, we're, we're learning as we're going, particularly for our separated bikeways. Our challenge is uh, our recycling and solid waste vehicles who need to service those streets, can they come out and have the arm out and grab the, it's not well, well, the claws that social issue, but the trucks with the arms that come up and pick up the thing, the bins, and shake them over. And I'm obviously not saying the correct terminology. Um, but they, 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 so that's a particular challenge with our separated bikeways. And so with the Q Street new separated bikeway, the space was created in order so that the bins and the, the leaves can go there. This is not necessarily applicable to a street that does not have a buffer uh, if there is not the on-street real estate to create that. Uh, but this is, a, this is our first time doing it, we're, we're, and we're, we're going to see how it goes. Thank you for that. Um, okay, I had another question. Um, so I think in your staff report you mentioned that our 2023 ATC annual report is going to be heard by the PNPE. Uh, committee in February. Um, back in November, however, I heard from Councilmember Vang uh, that they were going to be bringing, I believe, our 2022 report to the Budget and Audit Committee. Mm -hmm. So now we are having this <laughs> weird, weird timing issue. 
So I don't, I, I was just curious if you uh, heard anything more about that or if I should just follow up with. Chair Dewar Westbrook, I have not heard anything from Councilman Mervang on that. Councilman Mervang, yeah, I think, okay. yeah. They, they switched the titles around, so yeah. Okay, okay. I will uh, follow up with her then and, and, and see where that's at and, of course, update. Um, okay. Uh, I know last year we uh, also talked about the possibility of a, creating a community award uh, for our commission. I know the uh, park, they have created one. Last year we talked about maybe having um, an award in May for May is Bike Month. So I just wanted to remind uh, the commission. To do that, do we have to put that as a log? I, okay, I'll put it as another log um, item. So great, cool. <laughs> It'll be yeah. That will give us time to put out a call for nominations and everything. So okay, uh, awesome. And then lastly, um, just wanted to flag for folks, um, Caltrans, in, in partnership with uh, UC Berkeley Safe Truck, recently created a toolkit for safe speed limit settings. Um, so this includes uh, setting speed limits at 20 miles per hour in business activity districts and allowing for speed limits to be reduced below the 85th percentile. Um, this was in, in response to AB 43 and AB 1938. Uh, there was a webinar held today that was recorded, so just wanted to make staff aware of that. It will be posted on Trek's website um, and also a toolkit, as I mentioned. I believe the toolkit is is live now, um, and we had, you know, talked about um, reducing speeds uh, across the city. Talked enough. Um, the last is the last item is public comments matters not on the agenda clerk are there any members of the public who wish to speak thank you chair I have one speaker slip for matters not on the agenda uh, Dan Allison <laughs> 64 bag buttons were installed on ha Alhambra Boulevard, and I don't know why. Um, bag buttons are not a pedestrian safety feature. They're not recognized by FHWA as a pedestrian safety countermeasure. So I'm not sure why they're there. At most, or perhaps all of those locations, the signals were previously set to auto recall, meaning that the signal changes and allows the pedestrian to cross without them having to take an action. Now, the person walking or rolling has to actuate the signal in order to cross. Um, those 64 buttons have proximity detection, um, meaning you don't have to touch them. You can be close to them. 
but then the city didn't use the appropriate sign for those. There's a wave out or push button sign, which was used at 21st and I Street, but they didn't use them on those signals, even though it's the same vendor, but they're the same technology that you only have to be close to them. Makes sense, but why didn't the city sign them that way? Um, audible signals are now required by PROAG, but big buttons are not required. There is no requirement for big buttons anywhere. I spent two months trying to get the city to remove big buttons and turn them to auto recall. And after those two months, I succeeded in getting five changed. There's some resistance to accommodating pedestrians in public works, and I don't know where it comes from. So my questions, which I hope the commission will ask for answers for, who made the decision to install those buttons? Where did the money come from? I hope it wasn't pedestrian safety money misspent on something that's not a pedestrian safety feature. That's all. Thank you. For your comments, Chair, I have no more speaker slips. Uh, thank you so much, and, and, and thank you, Dan, for your, your comment. Um, staff, are you able to respond to these questions, or do we need to maybe follow? Chair Dear Westbrook, I don't have the answers to Dan's questions. If you like, we can. someone can make it a log request, and we can bring it back. Two already, so would someone else on the commission? <laughs> Yeah, okay, thank you, <laughs> uh, Chair Hodel, um, <clears throat> for submitting that. And I really appreciate, Dan, you bringing this um, issue for, uh, forward to us. Um, okay, with that, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation and patience with us in this new space. But I look forward to being back uh, <laughs> in, in City Hall uh, next month. Congratulations again uh, to Chair Hodel and Vice Chair Gonzalez. Um, I think you both will do a tremendous job. Thank you so much. Meeting adjourned. Thank you.